Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty. This week, I have a quick and dirty tip about the difference between regard and regards, and a meaty middle about languages that don't have numbers. It's super cool. And now, on to the quick and dirty tip. Jackie H. asked, Is it correct to say in regards to or in regard to? I've used regards for many years, and now my boss has informed me that it's incorrect to say regards. Yet I see and hear it all the time. The correct phrase is in regard to or with regard to or with regard to, using the singular form of the word. You may be confused because as regards is another way to introduce a topic. Many people also believe the in regard or with regard phrases to be unnecessary business jargon. Better options, depending on the particular sentence, include concerning, regarding, about, in, and with. For example, this sentence is correct. This letter is in regard to your message dated January 5th. But this sentence is better. This letter concerns your message dated January 5th. And to me, it would be even better like this. This letter is about the message you sent January 5th. And you may indeed hear the plural in regards to all the time, but it only rarely shows up in edited text, such as the kind you can find in a Google Book search. The Oxford English Dictionary calls it regional and non-standard. To make things more confusing, the correct choice is the plural word when you're sending someone greetings or asking someone to pass along your warm or affectionate thoughts to another person. You send your regards to someone, not your regard. You might be able to remember this by singing, Give My Regards to Broadway a few times. Thanks for the question, Jackie. Hey, it's Mignon. If you want to do more to hone your communication skills, then check out Think Fast, Talk Smart, produced by the Stanford Graduate School of Business and hosted by my friend and Stanford lecturer, Matt Abrahams. You may remember Matt from his interview on the show back in September when he shared his top tips for becoming a better writer and speaker. Think Fast, Talk Smart is his Webby award-winning podcast, which has been downloaded 41 million times and has been the number one career podcast in more than 95 countries, so you know it's worth your time. Whether you're making a wedding toast or presenting at work, strong speaking skills are critical to success in business and in life, which is why Matt sits down with experts every week to talk about the best tips to unlock your communication potential. Hear from pros like neuroscientist Andrew Huberman on how to manage speaking anxiety speechwriter and best-selling author Dan Pink on how to take risks in your communication, and psychologist Kelly McGonigal on how to harness nervous energy to fuel powerful presentations. So what are you waiting for? Listen to Think Fast, Talk Smart every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And tell Matt I said hi. Hey, it's Mignon. Do you need a new literary show to add to your podcast queue? Well, then you definitely want to check out Missing Pages, the chart-topping and Signal Award-winning podcast produced by the Podglomerate. Back for a brand new season, Missing Pages investigates the most pressing topics in the book world today, from the rise of Colleen Hoover and book bans across America to the world of ghostwriting. 
Not to mention host and acclaimed literary critic Beth Ann Patrick interviews some of the biggest names in the industry, like New York Times bestselling author Jody Pico and Publishers Weekly co-editorial director Jim Milliot. And as the Washington Post and The Guardian said, missing pages is a, quote, must listen. And I agree. So don't miss out. Follow Missing Pages today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening now. Next, numbers seem like something every culture would have, but that's only because most or all of us listening to this podcast speak a language that includes numbers. Next, I have a segment from Caleb Everett that might surprise you. Numbers don't exist in all cultures. For example, there are numberless hunter-gatherers embedded deep in Amazonia, living along branches of the world's largest river tree. Instead of using words for precise quantities, these people rely exclusively on terms analogous to a few or some. In contrast, our own lives are governed by numbers. As you hear this, you're likely aware of what time it is, how old you are, your checking account balance, your weight, and so on. The exact and exacting numbers we think with impact everything from our schedules to our self-esteem. But in a historical sense, numerically fixated people like us are the unusual ones. For the bulk of our species' approximately 200,000-year lifespan, we had no means of precisely representing quantities. What's more, the 7,000 or so languages that exist today vary dramatically in how they use numbers. Speakers of anumeric or numberless languages offer a window into how the invention of numbers reshaped the human experience. In a new book, Numbers and the Making of Us, I, that's Caleb Everett, explore the ways in which humans invented numbers and how numbers subsequently played a critical role in other milestones, from the advent of agriculture to the genesis of writing. Cultures without numbers, or with only one or two precise numbers, include the Mandaruku and Piraha in Amazonia. Researchers have also studied some adults in Nicaragua who were never taught number words. Without numbers, healthy human adults struggle to precisely differentiate and recall quantities as low as four. In an experiment, a researcher will place nuts into a can one at a time and then remove them one by one. The person watching is asked to signal when all the nuts have been removed. Responses suggest that anumeric people have some trouble keeping track of how many nuts remain in the can, even if there are only four or five in total. This and many other experiments have converged upon a simple conclusion. When people don't have number words, they struggle to make quantitative distinctions that probably seem natural to someone like you or me. While only a small portion of the world's languages are anumeric or nearly anumeric, they demonstrate that number words are not a human universal. It's worth stressing that these anumeric people are cognitively normal, well adapted to the environs they have dominated for centuries. As a child of missionaries, I spent some of my youth living with anumeric indigenous people— the previously mentioned Piraha, who live along the sinuous banks of the Black Maisi River. 
Like other outsiders, I was continuously impressed by their superior understanding of the river ecology we shared. Yet numberless people struggle with tasks that require precise discrimination between quantities. Perhaps this should be unsurprising. After all, without counting, how can someone tell whether there are, say, seven or eight coconuts in a tree? Such seemingly straightforward distinctions become blurry through numberless eyes. This conclusion is echoed by work with anumeric children in industrialized societies. Prior to being spoon-fed number words, children can only approximately discriminate quantities beyond three. We have to be handed the cognitive tools of numbers before we can consistently and easily recognize higher quantities. In fact, acquiring the exact meaning of number words is a painstaking process that takes children years. Initially, kids learn numbers much like they learn letters— They recognize that numbers are organized sequentially, but have little awareness of what each individual number means. With time, they start to understand that a given number represents a quantity greater by one than the previous number. This successor principle is part of the foundation of our numerical cognition, but requires extensive practice to understand. None of us, then, is really a numbers person. We're not predisposed to handle quantitative distinctions adroitly. In the absence of the cultural traditions that infuse our lives with numbers from infancy, we'd all struggle with even basic quantitative distinctions. Number words and written numerals transform our quantitative reasoning as they're coaxed into our cognitive experience by our parents, peers, and school teachers. The process seems so normal that we sometimes think of it as a natural part of growing up, but it's not. Human brains come equipped with certain quantitative instincts that are refined with age, but these instincts are very limited. For instance, even at birth, we're capable of distinguishing between two markedly different quantities—for instance, eight from sixteen things. But we're not the only species capable of such abstractions. Compared to chimps and other primates, our numerical instincts aren't as remarkable as many presume. We even share some basic instinctual quantitative reasoning with distant non-mammalian relatives like birds. Indeed, work with some other species, including parrots, suggests they too can refine their quantitative thoughts if they're introduced to the cognitive power tools we call numbers. So how did we ever invent unnatural numbers in the first place? The answer is literally at your fingertips. The bulk of the world's languages use base 10, base 20, or base 5 number systems. That is, these smaller numbers are the basis of larger numbers. English is a base 10 or decimal language, as evidenced by words like 14, 4 plus 10, and 31, 3 times 10 plus 1. We speak a decimal language because an ancestral tongue, Proto-Indo-European, was based in decimals. Proto-Indo-European was decimally oriented because, as in so many cultures, our linguistic ancestors' hands served as the gateway to realizations like five fingers on this hand is the same as five fingers on that hand. 
Such transient thoughts were manifested into words and passed down across generations. And this is why the word five in many languages is derived from the word for hand. Most number systems, then, are the byproduct of two key factors— the human capacity for language, and our propensity for focusing on our hands and fingers. This manual fixation, an indirect byproduct of walking upright on two legs, has helped yield numbers in most cultures, but not all. Cultures without numbers also offer insight into the cognitive influence of particular numeric traditions. Consider what time it is. Your day is ruled by minutes and seconds. But these entities are not real in any physical sense and are non-existent to numberless people. Minutes and seconds are the verbal and written vestiges of an uncommon base 60 number system used in Mesopotamia millennia ago. They reside in our minds, numerical artifacts that not all humans inherit conceptually. Research on the language of numbers shows, more and more, that one of our species' key characteristics is tremendous linguistic and cognitive diversity. While there are undoubtedly cognitive commonalities across all human populations, our radically varied cultures foster profoundly different cognitive experiences. If we're to truly understand how much our cognitive lives differ cross-culturally, we have to continually sound the depths of our species' linguistic diversity. That segment was written by Caleb Everett, an Andrew Carnegie Fellow and Professor of Anthropology at the University of Miami. It originally appeared on The Conversation and is included here under a Creative Commons license. Thanks this week to Mama OC98 and LOVD1215 for the nice reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you love the podcast and you want even more, remember that you can get bonus episodes by signing up for Stitcher Premium at stitcherpremium.com slash grammar. I'm Mignon Fogarty. That's all. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Mignon. If you want to do more to hone your communication skills, then check out Think Fast, Talk Smart, produced by the Stanford Graduate School of Business and hosted by my friend and Stanford lecturer, Matt Abrahams. You may remember Matt from his interview on the show back in September when he shared his top tips for becoming a better writer and speaker. Think Fast, Talk Smart is his Webby award-winning podcast, which has been downloaded 41 million times and has been the number one career podcast in more than 95 countries. So you know it's worth your time. Whether you're making a wedding toast or presenting at work, strong speaking skills are critical to success in business and in life, which is why Matt sits down with experts every week to talk about the best tips to unlock your communication potential. Hear from pros like neuroscientist Andrew Huberman on how to manage speaking anxiety, speechwriter and best-selling author Dan Pink on how to take risks in your communication, and psychologist Kelly McGonigal on how to harness nervous energy to fuel powerful presentations. So what are you waiting for? Listen to Think Fast, Talk Smart every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And tell Matt I said hi.